Thanks for listening to the Get Over Yourself podcast brought to you by Carol Fit Stationary Bike Program 8-Minute Workouts to Get Super Fit. Perfect Keto, the cleanest, highest potency ketone supplements. MOFO, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Let's get checked at home testing kits. Try lgc.com. Almost heaven, beautiful compact home use sauna kits. Brad's macadamia masterpiece, the mind-blowing nut butter blend. And check out bradkearns.com slash shop my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. Myopia, short-sightedness, starts out as pseudomyopia, meaning not actually a condition. It's just a muscle spasm. Real myopia is the thing that happens after you start wearing glasses. If you were wearing them all the time, you'd have worse eyesight right now quote-unquote worse, because your eyes would have adopted to the glasses, you would have gone back to the optometrist, they would have given you stronger glasses, and you would have become completely dependent on them. You're building the, the challenge into a habit. Instead of doing the trombone, you sit far enough from your screen to where the text isn't perfectly clear. Right? So now you're all the time a little bit challenged. Hey folks, how about a non-drinker telling you what kind of alcohol you should drink? That's right, it's pseudo-sommelier Brad Kearns here to recommend dry farm wines. Why? Because if you choose to drink, I want you to be healthy and make a superior choice to the mainstream commercial wines. Listen to my podcast with Dry Farm Wines founder Todd White. The insights were astonishing, especially that most all commercial wines are loaded with dozens of chemicals that the FDA allows in your wine but don't have to be listed on the label. And the sugar, oh my goodness, the sugar levels can be as much or more per liter than Coca-Cola but difficult to taste due to the acidity in the wine. Dry Farm Wines is a membership club where you're shipped hand-picked wines from old-world family-run vineyards in France, Italy, Greece, and Sicily. These wines come from non-irrigated vineyards hundreds of years old that deliver a tastier, higher antioxidant grape, and they're independent lab certified to be completely free from chemical additives and naturally 100% sugar-free. That's right, the sugar was allowed to ferment out instead of be arrested by chemical intervention in the name of pleasing the average consumer palate that has a sweet tooth. The Dry Farm Wines Club has taken off like crazy because ancestral and keto enthusiasts, people who care about their health, appreciate a sugar-free wine. You'll enjoy the variety, the taste, and the pleasant sensation in the aftermath of burning through the alcohol buzz and going on with your life without a hangover. So if you care about your carb intake and your overall health, Dry Farm Wines has a special promotion for podcast listeners. Get your first bottle for a penny when you enroll at dryfarmwines.com slash brad or click on the Dry Farm Wines at the bradkerns.com shopping page. Cheers. Hey folks, you are in for a real treat coming to you from all the way across the world on a remote island in Thailand, Jake Steiner. Yes, he's landed there uh, during the quarantine period and the shutdown of the airports. He was on vacation. Little did he know he'd be hanging on the island for a long time, and he has such a positive attitude about it. Right away, you'll get into this show and, and really warm to this guy and his incredible message that will turn the world of corrected vision optometry wearing glasses on its ear for you. Yes, what if we were all entirely wrong about our basic notions and premises that as you get older, your eyesight gets worse, you put glasses on, it corrects it, there's no downside to wearing glasses, all it is is your screen looks more clear. Oh my goodness, it is time to rock your world with some new and earth-shattering insights. 
So this podcast will be an exercise in challenging your fixed and rigid beliefs and your pursuit of confirmation bias when it comes to topics like this. He is going to tell you something that is entirely opposite from the conversations that you've had with your optometrist. And it's going to be a lot of fun to keep an open mind and listen to what Jake has to say. Go check out his great work at endmyopia.org. He's doing this mainly as a charitable project because he just wants to get the word out. He makes money in the finance arena. He's just a health enthusiast doing something really wonderful. And this show reawakened a long dormant 20-year insight that I had from reading a random book off the shelf that I picked up because I thought the title was compelling. And it was something like improve your vision without wearing glasses. And the uh, book went on to describe how the eye muscle needs to be worked out like any other muscle. And when you put glasses on, you kind of turn it into, uh, it turns into a crutch where your muscles are no longer uh, resilient and stretching and relaxing properly. Therefore, you become dependent upon the glasses. And I remember the argument in the book was, uh, all you need to do is 40 minutes of exercise each day with your eyes, like doing the various eye drills, and uh, then you'll uh, improve your vision and be able to wean off glasses. And I didn't quite uh, keep my commitment to 40 minutes of eye exercises per day, but I did uh, take away... Uh, this insight that I was going to try to use my glasses as little as possible only when I needed them. And I've adhered to that for many, many years. And my nearsighted prescription, my myopia prescription, has remained stable for something like 15 years. I also credit my transition over to uh, primal blueprint style eating, uh, low carb, low inflammatory, getting the junk out of my diet, uh, had a measurable improvement in my eyesight or the uh, lack of dependency on glasses. Things got better I stopped getting sunburn. All these different things happened when I switched over to Primal and got that inflammatory uh, pattern out of my lifestyle from the, the foods I was choosing. So without further delay, let's talk to Jake Steiner and hear some new exciting sound bites like your, quote, strain awareness. How's your strain awareness? That's right. He wants you to strain a little bit in the interest of working out your eyes. And I don't want to take too much of his thunder. So here we go. Jake Steiner, I got you, man. And isn't it nice to have Zoom connecting us from across the world? And in your case, you have a pretty interesting location. So I think we should start by figuring out where the heck are you, why you're there, and where do you usually live? Oh, boy. Uh, so I'm on an island in Thailand, and I just happened to be in Bangkok the moment the world was locked down. So I decided to escape to an island instead and wait it all out. What's it like over there? I mean, the, the country of Thailand is locked down like anywhere else. And what's the island like? Is it a resort or you've been keeping busy for six months or whatever it's been? <laughs> no, actually, I've, I've only been on the island for two months now, I want to say. Um, the interesting thing is here, there's still a bunch of hippies. It's kind of a hippie island. So there's a ton of hippies and there's just yoga schools all over the place. There are no tourists. All the Chinese are gone. And it's really chill. Nobody cares about masks. I haven't worn shoes in weeks. It's, it's not the worst place, I think. Right. And yeah. you're, you were there on vacation from your usual location in Burma, you said? Actually, um, I was coming back from Vietnam. We were kite surfing for a month with my girlfriend. And they were going back to Burma, um, her and my son. And I stopped off in Bangkok just because I had something to do. And two weeks later, the airport was closed. So, wow. Yeah. And, and she it. had a baby since that I haven't seen yet. So, Oh, my gosh. Uh, is the airport still closed? Um, the regional flights here, but I can't oh. go to Myanmar. Myanmar oh is still my completely gosh. shut down. Wow. Uh, maybe that's a smart idea for certain places to... to you know, maybe we should have all done that. I mean, U.S. airlines, I'm getting email promo messages to go and fly for a discount rate, and they, they're, they're begging us to get on the planes. Yeah, I don't know. This whole, this whole story, I just don't know what to make of it. Uh, all I know is I'm stuck in a place that's full of healthy food and, and interesting people. So. And, and a good attitude by Jake. So I think the, yeah. uh, the important thing to talk about that's, that's I say I'm very fascinated by is this alternative view of vision, corrective lenses, the entire uh, paradigm is about to be flipped on its end by Jake. So I want to hear about your work and, 
uh, all the stuff you sent me on the email. Why don't you tee everybody up? All right. So you called it a fascinating topic, which you're the first person to probably ever say that um, because people don't care about eyesight, curiously, interestingly. And your eyesight connects to everything else. People don't realize if you, if you wear glasses, it affects your posture significantly. It affects how you walk. It affects how you look. It affects your social behavior. It can be connected to anxiety, depression, child development. It's an extremely integral part of our existence. And most of us are led to believe when we go to an optometrist that we have some curious, unknown, mysterious genetic defect that is causing our eyesight just to get worse. This is something that didn't exist 100 years ago, basically, but now is affecting 60 to 90% of the world's population, depending on where you go. A mysterious genetic condition that's a $100 billion a year industry that's been heavily lobbied to make clear curved pieces of plastic, uh, so-called prescription in some countries like the US. And extreme profit margins, the, the glasses people wear, the wholesale cost is two or $3, they sell for hundreds. And the whole thing is a really interesting scheme. Oof. Okay, we are, uh, we are teed up. And some of those things about your posture and your social behavior, I'm curious how that plays out. I'm, I'm, I got to watch my posture now if I put my glasses on. Well, there's lots of things. And I, I don't want to go completely into the rabbit hole here, but just as a very, very simple example, less with contact lenses, much more with glasses. If you're wearing glasses, you can only, your field of vision is just a, the center of the lens. Your eyes don't like to move within that lens because the ha distortion happens. So mm. people wear glasses tend to be really central vision focused. Now, what happens, for example, when you walk is somebody who doesn't wear glasses, you use your peripheral vision to, to scan the ground around you and just the world around you also. Person with glasses, person without glasses is looking ahead as they're walking, generally speaking. Person with glasses is looking down because they have to see where they're putting their feet next because the vision is only working in well in the central part. So you see myopic people, people with glasses walking, their neck bent forward, a lot more neck issues, neck pain issues, all of that. One super, just super basic example of, of lens wear affecting how you move through the world. So when we go and get our eye exam and we learn, I mean, the, the genetic part is uh, I'm getting older and now I'm getting more and more uh, nearsighted or now I really need reading glasses uh, once I hit age 40. Uh, and all these kind of things that we're so familiar with, and we uh, have now come to believe that these are normal. So I know that there's a big belief that uh, prescription eyesight, cor corrective vision is part of the aging process. Mm, yeah, it's it's interesting. That, okay, here's the most interesting part, because this sounds kind of conspiracy-ish if it's the first time you hear about it. I always tell people, go to scholar.google.com. For those who are not familiar with it, that's Google search engine for clinical science. So if you want to read peer-reviewed clinical science documents instead of just who knows what, scholar.google.com is the place to go. And most of the things I talk about, very ironically, are direct quotes from the clinical journals that are ophthalmology and optometry journals. So my knowledge comes from the publications meant for optometrists and ophthalmologists, the people who sell you glasses, curiously, right? And this whole idea of my eyes are getting mysteriously worse just for a little taste of what goes on, what actually happens at first, short-sightedness, you can't see clearly at a distance, is a muscle strain. There's a muscle in the eye, a really cool circular muscle that is around the lens in your eye that tightens up as you look at something up closer. Right, that muscle gets tight and the muscle relaxes as you look at something in the distance. It's designed to spend a lot more time in distance vision mode where the muscle is relaxed and less time in close-up mode. Unsurprisingly, what happens when you stare at something up close for hours and hours, that muscle just spasms. It doesn't completely relax immediately. Right? So now you spend four hours binging Netflix, you look up and things around you are a little bit blurry because that muscle just doesn't go into a full relaxed position. If you go to scholar.google.com and you type in pseudomyopia, P-S-E-U-D-O, myopia, you get tens of thousands of search results. And these are all 
Now we're talking about references to clinical peer-reviewed science saying that myopia, short-sightedness, starts out as pseudomyopia, meaning not actually a condition. It's just a muscle spasm. Uh, is that in contrast to real myopia? Is there a certain mm. percentage of the population that really does have uh, whatever it is, a, a genetics or uh, an unfixable uh, imbalance in the, uh, in the ocular process? Yes, absolutely. Uh, likely, though, you've never met any of them. <laughs> it's 0.3%. Yeah, yeah. It's some tiny percentage. The thing is, pseudomyopia, it's also called near-induced transient myopia. It, mm. It's funny because you type that into Google Scholar, you get tens of thousands of search results. You go to the optometrist to ask you what causes myopia. They say, oh, it's genetic. You go to Google Scholar, you get tens of thousands of results saying, it's a muscle spasm initially, right? That's how almost all myopia starts out. And this is when you look, when you scroll through and you look at where these things are written about, they're in optometry journals. So these are the publications these people are supposed to be reading with cellular glasses. Super interesting. Now, real myopia is the thing that happens after you start wearing glasses. And oh. then if you go, yeah. Right, because you're no longer asking the muscle to relax because you don't need to or something. That is exactly correct. So the lenses, the muscle is tight. The, the light is focused in front of the retina instead of on the retina. And all the glasses do is they move the light back to the retina so you can ignore the muscle spasm. It's a really short-term, quick-fix symptom treatment that now causes the eye to elongate because the eye has a built-in mechanism to change its shape to always have perfect long-term focus. And when you put a lens in front of it, the lens moves the light in the eye, and the eye responds to that by elongating. That's called lens-induced myopia. If you put that in the Google Scholar, tens of thousands of results, and this is the really interesting part, tens of thousands of results that say lenses cause myopia to progress. Tens of thousands. And these are largely in optometry journals, literally saying the glasses you put on your eyes cause your myopia to increase so your vision to get worse i suppose it's like using a brace for your back or your wrists or your knee and then going out there and doing your workouts thinking that you're protecting your knee but if you look at it from a big picture perspective you're maybe atrophying uh, the necessary muscles there because this brace is like a a crutch or when you put a crutch on a, a broken joint um, you're no longer going through the range of motion. And so the joint and the muscles and the ligaments and everything's atrophying. Of course, you're going to get that uh, cast off in six weeks and then start rehabbing and working the heck out of the range of motion. But with our eyes, we get our glasses when we're whatever age. And that's the rest, uh, the rest of our lives. We're, we're succumbing to the crutch, it sounds like. Yeah. And it's a really, what makes it so interesting is I used to be really upset at optometrists because I figured this out 20 years ago on my own. I went through a really long and difficult journey getting my eyesight back to 2020. I had high myopia. I couldn't see anything without glasses. And as I finally started figuring it out and I'm reading all the clinical science, this was before the internet was as convenient as it is today. I would talk to these people and all I would get is just a lot of arrogance and a lot of you don't know what you're talking about. And it, it, it put me from a place of excitement into a place of, hey, I guess apparently it's you guys. Not only have you caused this in me, <laughs> but you're also willfully ignoring when I'm saying, hey, you know, why don't we look at this topic? Right. So hey. I, I was angry there for a while, but then I yeah. realized that people like it. A lot of people want the quick fix. Like what I said, oh. you call this a fascinating topic. And I don't get to hear that very often because most people say, I know how to fix it. Contact lenses. Right. right? And it's, you know, not to, um, you know, disparage the well-meaning uh, eye care professional, but I think we see this type of behavior across all platforms in life where we form these fixed and rigid beliefs uh, I just had the best-selling author Mark Manson on the podcast, and he was uh, talking about how, um, you know, thinking that you can change someone's mind or change their beliefs 
it's almost always going to fail. You have the extremely minimal opportunity to do that unless the person's ready and open and receptive. Uh, hopefully the listeners are, and you've enticed us so much so far to, to think that maybe this whole entire paradigm could be shifted. And we're, you know, we're on a podcast with uh, an audience by and large has been uh, able to embrace a new dietary strategy that's in complete opposition to, you know, the, the dogma and the flawed uh, programming and, and government uh, recommendations and marketing messages that we've heard uh, for decades growing up. So I think that the time is right for your message. And as I told you before we recorded, uh, this is probably now over 20 years ago, I found uh, an interesting book in the bookstore and it was uh, titled, you know, how to correct your how to improve your vision without glasses and reading through it. Uh, the, the doctors who wrote it gave a bunch of, uh, exercises. So if you did the tromboning where you watch your finger go up to your nose and then out and then back, or uh, look at the distant tree out the window and then focus on something a foot in front of you, then look at the tree again. And the argument was, if you do these exercises for like 45 minutes a day, you'll be able to slowly but surely wean off of glasses and, I, you know, I, I tried it for a while, but then I fell short of this 45-day commitment to doing my trombone exercises. So I guess I'm uh, setting you up for a reply there. But you know, my entry point into this uh, into this idea was a long time ago, and it's been kind of baking on the sidelines. So uh, I think it's it's cool to um, see where this can go. Hey, man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gainswave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gainswave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gainswave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary band-aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gainswave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainswave from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gainswave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit Gainswave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Yeah, and I, you are setting me up for a response because I am like, I was in banking and finance investments doing things that are very much not health related. I've fallen into this, this topic. And as I went through your podcast, we've, I've talked to a lot of the same people that you have. And it's funny that I'm now in this space because I was fairly mainstream about everything. I just, I was sick of my glasses and I'm a research guy. So it came naturally to me to go, what of this is nonsense and what of this real and knowing how to do research, right? So that's, my approach came from a completely different place, but I'm now finding that this is the case for so many things. My dad is a, is a, a medical doctor and he swears by statin drugs and he refuses anything that's not about statin drugs or alternatives. When it comes to glasses and the exercise thing, nobody has 45 minutes It mm -hmm. is the thing, right? Like nobody does. So I, and this took a long time, again, 20 years of being at this, I built an approach that's habit-based. So you have an upfront bit of a learning curve. You spend a month or so 
20 minutes a day, three times a week, maybe. Getting to know how your eyes work and how glasses work and what habits affect your eyesight. And once you have all that dialed in, the improvement to not needing glasses happens more or less automatically because you're building the, the challenge into a habit. Instead of doing the trombone, you sit far enough from your screen to where the text isn't perfectly clear, right? So now you're all the time a little bit challenged. Uh-huh. And then when you go outside, you wear glasses that are not quite what the optometrist wanted to sell you, but you see like 2030, right? You could recognize your friends, but a distant uh, billboard is fuzzy and you have to challenge yourself to clear it up. So, so a now, little bit challenge is okay. A little bit challenge is what you want. It's good. Uh, because I would hear the opposite from an optometrist. And the only concession I've made from reading that book uh, 20 plus years ago is I try to use my glasses at the bare minimum of absolutely necessary. So if I'm driving at nighttime and you know things get a little blurry, I will use those for a difficult windy road. But if I'm driving two miles down the road, I'm going to skip it. Uh, if I'm watching a movie, I like to bring my glasses in there because it does make the screen feel sharper. But if I'm just hanging around and uh, watching a show for 30 minutes at home, I- I'm constantly thinking, you know, how little I, I can need these or use them. Uh, so I guess I can uh, pat myself on the back for that. But if there's a way to take it further and know that you're going to wean off these glasses sometime, it seems like uh, a lot of people would be really receptive. Yeah. And you're doing the right thing, actually. You're doing what's not intuitive to a lot of people. And if you were wearing them all the time, you'd have worse eyesight right now quote unquote worse, because your eyes would have adopted to the glasses, you'd have gone back to the optometrist, they would have given you stronger glasses, and you would have become completely dependent on them. So by only wearing them when you need them, you've, you've kept yourself in a situation where you don't have that increased dependence. Right. My prescription was- has not changed in an incredibly long time, like 14 years. Uh, the, the nearsighted prescription uh, is the same. However, the um, computer glasses or the, the close-up stuff, which I'm blaming on excessive time in front of the screen, uh, that's, you know, I've noticed a decline. I thought it was associated with age and, and all that stuff. But I think now we're at a critical uh, fork in the road because my optometrist straight up said, don't do that. Use your glasses all the time or you'll get eye fatigue and eye strain and eye this and eye that. Now, if we're talking about diet and someone saying, hey, this fat stuff is healthy for you, it won't clog your arteries, you know, this is life or death stakes. And it took a lot of effort to convince people to trust the idea that we can depart from a grain-based diet, high carbohydrate, high insulin producing diet and actually be healthy. But here with your eyesight, I mean, what do we have to lose if we're going to spend 30 days trying to uh, make the text a tiny bit blurry or move the point size down on your, on your smartphone, uh, dial it down a little bit to make it a little bit more of a challenge? This sounds fun, Jake. Yeah. And it is a little bit of challenge is what you want. You don't want to have a headache. The way you know it's too much is you have a headache, your eyes hurt, or your eyes get really dry, you're not blinking enough, like you're staring. If that's not the case, challenge is what you want, right? And and also what you're doing is actually perfect because some people refuse to wear glasses ever. And something I call blur adaptation, it's not the clinically correct word, but you get used to blur. Your visual cortex just goes, this is the default. This is the standard. So by sometimes putting them on, especially if you only put it on in specific conditions, right? Like it's dark, right? Or you're, you're watching a movie. So you're only doing it in those cases. It's like you're reminding your visual cortex, this is the amount of clarity to be expected. So people who just refuse to wear their glasses sometimes aren't doing themselves any favor because their brain forgets what clear vision even looks like. So your approach is actually the perfect way to just intuitively manage this, this issue without it getting worse. Right. So we want to tiptoe on that line, uh, know what clear, crystal clear vision looks like, like when you're getting the exam and they keep switching the lenses and you're like, oh, that's perfect. What a, what a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm so happy to uh, have this correction and then kind of uh, dance around there instead of, uh, you know, go the rest of your life with the glasses on. That sounds, sounds like a, a cool strategy. Yeah. And that's long-term. And it, I'm, I'm kind of skimming the surface here. There's a lot more detail. That's why I said there's like a month worth of learning curve to really dial it in. But on the basic level, that's all there's to it. right? And the other thing is what you're talking about, age-related, and you can't see clearly up close, different issue. 
um, what happens is, is your lens gets less flexible, right? As we age, the lens just gets less flexible. And as it gets less flexible, the muscle has a harder time shaping the lens for close-up. And the closer up you look at something, the tighter the muscle has to get, the more the lens is being reshaped. And we lose some of that flexibility, some of it. Now, I've been doing this for a long time, and we've got a pretty large audience. And so far, I've never heard of somebody who's reduced their myopia who needs reading glasses. So while your lens gets less flexible, the dependence on lenses is really the question. Like, do you need reading glasses? And what the optometrist will do, I'm not disparaging them. They're taught this way, and they're selling things people want, right? But once you start putting on those reading glasses, you're not now you're not challenging that muscle. Now you're not reshaping that lens and that lens loses more of its flexibility, right? So resisting the reading glasses and not wearing them when you don't need them is generally the right strategy. Uh, I also find that if I really am feeling the eye strain looking at the computer screen, I've probably been looking at the computer screen too long anyway, and my productivity and all that, I need to, I need to turn the bloody thing off rather than uh, get my magic glasses on and power up for three more hours. Yeah, and that's three hours. That's actually funny you say that. That's kind of my personal limit. And for a lot of people, that's about where you hit the amount of time where you need to get away from the screen. And you can tell, right? Like there's a lot more to this because you can, for example, you can measure your eyesight. We have an app hopefully coming out in the next few days here. But even right now, with just a measuring tape from the side of your eye to the screen or a book, and then you can, you can just adjust the distance till you see a little bit of blur. And that's where, that's all the optometrist does. When the optometrist figures out how much myopia you have, how strong your glasses are, they're just measuring a distance to blur, right? And that, that's all it is. Like you can literally at home with a measuring tape, figure out how quote unquote bad your eyesight is just by measuring that distance. And then the interesting thing is that distance changes, right? Like if you went hiking for the weekend, you didn't bring your phone, that distance is going to be larger. You can see clear further. And after five hours on Netflix in a dark room, that distance is going to be small, right? So what I encourage people to do is doing that measurement to realize you can very easily and specifically pinpoint what's bad for you, right? Like if after the Netflix binge, your eyesight might be 30% worse. And, and if you measure that and you, you see, hey, I got to go this close now and there's already blur, then you know that Netflix thing is maybe not a great idea. And the next time you try an hour in a not dark room and then measure the distance and you'll see it's not 30% worse, right? So that's why I say by, by tweaking habits, like realizing what's straining your eyes specifically and then slowly adjusting that a little bit is most of the battle. Uh, so we don't want a dark room to consume our digital entertainment. Is it more strain on the eyes or something? It is more strain on the eyes. And again, here with the measurement, you can, th this distance to blur really works well depending on your eyesight. Like if you have perfect eyesight, the distance is too far to be conveniently measurable. But for most people who, right, like most people, it's like, uh, not most people, but you might see 40, 50 centimeters or half an arm's length, an arm's length before blur starts. Do the same thing in a dark room and the distance will be smaller. Just now, I mean, literally you could go from now, from, a, from outside in a shaded area where the distance may be too large to even measure with an arm's length and then you go into a dark room with a small iphone screen and the distance is going to be notably shorter your your eyesight is just less great in a dark environment oh sure sev several uh, factors but but so now when you're in a dark environment you're going to have the screen closer right so you're going to have the muscle tighter so you're going to be causing more eye strain uh and also i guess i have astigmatism which is pretty common where when it's dark your eyesight dramatically uh, decreases, I guess, for the same reason? Or is this a, a, another category that we can correct, the astigmatism? Astigmatism is a real thing, but also very relatively uncommon. Um, unless it's very significant, your, your visual cortex will correct for it. Right? So because pseudo-astigmatism. 
it could be, right? It depends. There's ways to, you can do a corneal topography. You can check out if your cornea has an unevenness that's too great for your, for your brain to correct. But basically what happens is retina goes to your visual cortex and the visual cortex interprets the signal, right? So you don't have, your eyes don't have to be perfect in every way as long as your visual cortex can fix the image. Right, like the way Photoshop can fix lens aberration, like it's the same sort of thing. Now, what happens anytime you get into a dark environment, a refractive error, like anything that's not perfect about your vision, will become much more noticeable in a dark environment. Right, right. Like you're you're closer to the edge of how well you can see, and anything that's not perfect will will show up more, basically. So, uh, I think we should jump to what your program's all about rather than waiting till the end and, uh, you know, signing off with a, a call to action. But um, so someone's extremely interested, wants to participate. Uh, tell me about your offering. So I, my attempt is to put everything out for free because I don't, it's not, I make money in other places. So by and large, you can go to Enmiopia. You can set your expectation of this is going to be a learning experience. Enmiopia. And myopia. E-N-D-M-Y-O-P-I-A. Yes, dot org. That's why I was uh, jumping to the, to the middle of the show here, because I'm like, um, you know, most people that are uh, uh, getting on an interview and, and, and telling their, their story, uh, they're trying to sell something. And um, I'm like, what is this all about? It's just so, so super awesome, this community. And you have, a huge, um, you have a huge Facebook community already with tens of thousands of people, right? Yeah, and that was, and actually, I don't promote any of these things. I wasn't even really doing podcasts till I was made to do podcasts. I don't advertise. It's all word of mouth. The Facebook group is like eighteen thousand or so members now. We also have a forum that's quite big because I like to get away from social media. YouTube channel that's not very professional, but I post relatively frequently. The community is very large, and yeah, I don't really. You can buy courses because this thing has become expensive over the years. Um, like what I mentioned earlier, there's an iPhone app that is hopefully coming out in the next few days. So you can do this measuring mm. just with your, the, the phone will do it automatically. And then you can save the results and it'll give you suggestions based on all that. So I'm spending a bunch of money. There are courses that help fund some of this stuff. But basically the idea is there's 1200 plus articles on the website. Do some reading. 90 some percent of people that are doing this just figured it out with the free stuff. If that's too much work or you want to support Emiopia, there's a very much condensed version of it. And then there's a full on course where if you're like, I don't, I don't want to deal with any more than I have to I have a course that I provide support for that gives you the step by step by step, never have to look at the website, but it's not necessary. Right? Like I like to encourage people to just go, hey, all this stuff is on there. I figured it out. I'm happy if I can help you figure it out. The main thing I want is if you're a parent with kids or you're a young person or you're, just, you're into sports right? or you're just, your lifestyle doesn't fit wearing glasses, that there is a place that you can find answers. Because what bothers me right now is not that optometry sells everybody glasses. It's that it's made to sound like a genetic condition. It's as if McDonald's said, our food is healthy, right? Like that's the place we're in with eyesight. And I just, I want to move that bar to where people recognize that glasses are a quick fix for their screen addiction and they like it and that's fine. But people want answers. I just want them to be able to figure out that there is something else. Oh, I would, I would venture to guess that 99% of the people uh, have no concept that there's another option. And it's either put these on and see clearly or, or not. And boy, I mean, uh, the, the fact that there's a, a door number two here uh, should, should give us all pause. And I guess it's the, the, the simple thing that you uh, mentioned of just doing that blur test and then challenging the eyes a little bit would be you know, a great entry point takeaway. Even if you don't hit the website or get serious, you're really busy, but you just remember that one takeaway from the podcast I suppose you could make progress uh, just doing that as a rule. Hey man, how's your sexual function? 
Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gaines Wave. This is a cutting edge protocol where a handheld device sends low intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gaines Wave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gaines Wave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary Band-Aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gaines Wave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainswave from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainesWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Yeah. And there's, there's, um, for somebody who doesn't want to look at anything, there's two comments I want to make. One is if you have kids, iPads are not babysitters. Like, <laughs> and, and I'm saying this because my, in my inbox gets, I get about 700 emails a day on average. I can't read all of them, but the emails that make it filter through me. From You're not a admin, babysitter. You can't read all of them. No, but the, the problem is that emails that, that do get to me, the, the volume of parents freaked out about their five-year-old needing glasses has increased super dramatically over the last five years, even. Like, inc- extremely worryingly. It used to be nothing. And now it's half of my emails are parents going, why does my three-year-old need glasses? And the iPad is not a babysitter is my first, no screens, right? Like my kid is five years old now. He's not allowed to look at any screen that is closer than six feet away. Uh-huh. Not allowed. Not for a minute. He's not allowed to pick him up. He's not allowed to play with him because the young eye is developing, right? And putting a screen, a child's arms are this long, right? And the mm. same thing happens. The ciliar muscle is super tight now. The eye elongates extremely quickly. And then as soon as you put glasses on young children, that myopia progresses extremely rapidly. So. Oh, because they're in this vulnerable time where the eye muscles are still developing? Yeah, and the eyeball is adjusting, right? Because all like all babies are hyperopic. They can't see clearly up close. And the mechanism in the eyeball is extremely active in adjusting its length. And now when you put a screen in front of it, that's problematic. And if you put lenses in front of it, the eyeball will just elongate by about a full doctor a year. So if you follow the optometrist's advice and you have a five-year-old that gets minus one glasses today... Next year is going to be minus two, and next year is going to be minus three, and next year is going to be minus four. I'm not saying guaranteed, but very likely. So iPad babysitter, definitely not a a good idea. TV distance for for cartoons. And limit the overall time is probably darn good advice too. Yeah, and these things are just extremely addictive. And and parents love it because the kid's quiet. And on the flip side of it, once you take that away from the child, because it's so addictive, now you get the extreme adverse reaction. So parents are just like, oh, we'll just give him back the thing. But it's it's a really terrible idea. It's really, 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 really not good. I suppose on the flip side, uh, are there some benefits to be had spending time outdoors and 
having your eyes focus on distant objects, which of course there are none in a home, right? You can't look more than 12 feet or you're, you're at the, uh, the wall. Uh, but when we're out hiking, like you said, and we leave for the weekend and leave our phone behind and our eyesight measurably improves, uh, is that something that you could recommend every day as uh, simply for eye health? I, we live in a weird time. I, I'm, I'm saying this because I like, we're both from a different time slightly than a younger generation that's grown up with the internet and i've had literally not infrequently have younger people go i should spend an hour outside what am i gonna do an hour a day every day yeah <laughs> what yeah. and so it so now one of the things that i do and i feel weird saying this is i explore what could be interesting hobbies that tempt you away from the screen with younger generations, because what is more tempting than YouTube and Instagram and dating apps and, and gameplay? It's really hard to say, put this thing down and be bored outside, right? Like it's hard to feed yourself with as much excitement, even going to play soccer than what you can get from a screen. So finding things that you might be tempted to do outside, or even just not in front of a screen, because, you know, now with lockdowns and things, maybe you can't go outside, but you can fix a motorcycle in your garage, right? Mm. Or you can, you can do anything that's, even though it's close up, it's not a fixed distance like mm. this for three hours close up. Because as long as the close up varies, your muscle keeps moving. And as long as your muscle keeps moving, it tends to not spasm, right? So even if you're painting, right? Like you're varying the distance, you're dealing with the paint, you're moving around. So even though it's close up, just the fact that you're constantly varying the distance reduces that, that, muscle strain a lot. So three hours maximum time without a break, absolutely uh, go and take a, a really significant break. I don't know how much time you recommend there, but how about inside that three hour block? Should we uh, look away every five minutes or do some eye exercises every 20 minutes or something like that? I remember some of these tips from the book. So I'm curious. Yeah. Where... I'm a practical guy. Right. And, and I'm more, I look at this pragmatically of what are people really going to do? And I was a stock trader for a long time. I'm not going to look away for a screen every five minutes. Never going to happen. Right. So you initially, I recommend taking a break every 20 minutes to get yourself used to the feeling of strain. Because one of the weird things that happen is when you wear glasses all the time and you're used to this close up, you can be close up for eight hours. And that's not natural. So if you start mm. taking frequent breaks, after a couple months, you start feeling it. Like, I cannot spend more than three hours looking at a screen. I can't. Like, it just, you get to the point where your eyes are just like, feel terrible because you've de-strained them enough to where you get that feedback back, right? So taking more frequent breaks in the first month is ideal. I respect that people are working and they are focused on their work. So if it has to be three hours, it is three hours, but then try to get as long of a break as you reasonably can. If you're at work, make the lunch break, picking up food somewhere, you know, like find ways to, to encourage enough distance vision to where over time you get that strain awareness back to where you can't do a five hour Netflix binge. Because a, a, a normal person, and I mean somebody who would have to not live in our society at this point, could not spend five hours like this because it would just get too painful, you know? Uh, but you're saying with the glasses on, we now have the capability because those glasses are, are, are freezing the muscle in place, reducing the strain, and then we can uh, lock in and, and, and spiral downward into complete dependency on glasses. And, and a numbness. There's a, mm -hmm. there's a kind of numbness that happens from doing this for so long like as the kid starts out, you know, reading a book or playing on a screen and then playing somewhere outside maybe. And the older you get, the more you spend time on screen. It's like a monk who trained himself to meditate for 30 days straight. Is you, you, you built this resilience to close up to where you don't feel it anymore. But it's a pretty universal thing that I hear from people once they spend enough time taking breaks to where they just can't do that anymore. Like they can't spend hours and hours on a screen because your eyes will tell you it just feels not right. We lose uh, a lot of like just normal, natural interactions with our body from this stuff. 
Yeah, explain that again. I think that's the, the a hugely important point. So when you're good at taking breaks and you're stretching that muscle or you're, re, you're relaxing that muscle because you're taking a break and going and looking at the forest and then you start to uh, get less tolerance for those prolonged screen bouts because you're good at taking breaks and letting that muscle relax a lot? Correct. Yeah, you get the strain awareness back. The strain awareness. That's the greatest soundbite. I love that. You got to you got to trademark that, man. How's your strain awareness? I have no awareness of any strain. My glasses are awesome. That's terrible. What are you talking about? I love it. I love it. Oh, I appreciate it. I come from a weird place because again, like I just figured this out, and then I shared it with friends, and friends shared it with friends, and now there's a zillion people. Last year, I looked at the web stats. So it's like 1.2 million or so regular coming back readers of the thing. And I'm right. Like I'm a mainstream stock trader guy. I was just eating whatever food was in front of me. I learned all of these things. Like in my twenties, I had pain problems. I had chronic inflammation. I had serious issues. Now I'm in my late forties. I'm so much healthier from learning all these things in no small part from people that are in related areas, right? Like I talk about eyesight and then somebody's like, well, what about your nutrition? And I'd never thought about my nutrition. I'm just like, I eat food, <laughs> right? And we live in an amazing space now to where we are able to share things that are not fed to us by corporate advertising mm -hmm. and government mandates. Yeah, I'm you know, fascinated by the carnivore diet movement for many reasons. Uh, first of which being that the, the rationale makes a tremendous amount of sense that you can emphasize the most nutrient dense foods on the planet as validated by nutrition science, right? That eggs and, and liver and, and things like that and, and wild caught salmon have more nutritional value pound for pound than uh, big piles of produce. And then all the other arguments about the anti-nutrients and plants and the sensitivity, but mainly uh, just going on the big picture, uh, the, the opportunity to challenge our fixed beliefs and exercise some critical thinking here because let's say I have a guest on the show, Dr. Sean Baker, Dr. Paul Saladino, a couple of the leaders have been, uh, I've had a great interview experience with them and they're forcing you to, uh, to rethink some of these basic foundational notions that we've locked into position and they're so fixed and rigid that we spend the rest of our days looking for confirmation bias. So now we have a guy on here saying that the optometrist is wrong and your, your glasses are you know, the opposite of the intended effect, which uh, my optometrist is telling me the more I wear my glasses, the more my eyes will, will heal up and not be strained and be stronger and better. And I, I appreciate your uh, sort of uh, you know, uh, independent and free-thinking approach. You're referencing Google Scholar. If someone wants to argue with you, you can say that there's these thousands of studies and it's not uh, Dr. Jake's wild and crazy glasses that are better than the next guy down the street. So I mean, we're, we're forced to listen to you if we want to exercise critical thinking or if we want to put our head in the sand or the thing that you said at the outset of the show if we want the easy way out, sure, grab those glasses and don't worry about it and forget about your strain awareness. But I think a lot of listeners are going to be intrigued to say, hey, I want to be the best person I can be. And that includes seeing better. Yeah. I was actually on Sean Baker's podcast. That was interesting. That's an interesting man. He Boy, made you guys have so much in common with your, your, your free thinking. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a circle, right? Because I talked to Kay Kressinger recently and she mentioned him and it's like all of you guys, everybody's kind of seems like a this circle, this group of people that have these ideas that are willing to take the time to share them. I'm really kind of humbled to be somehow in this. Oh my gosh. And if nothing else, I want to be a member of the club who is open-minded willing to think, think critically, maybe I will form a fixed and rigid belief about whatever it is and, and carry on with my life thinking that what I'm doing is right. But if I'm not open to new information, boy, that's going to be a heavy strike against any one of us. And 
I mean, same goes with uh, divisive politics. Should we uh, pay attention to what the other side is saying? Probably so. We should probably process it a little bit, see where they're coming from, and then make a, a decision that is aligned with you know things that are important to you. But I think uh, we're getting uh, not as good at that and just uh, dogmatic and uh, whoever shouts the loudest is going to you know score the most points and it's time to kind of unwind that stuff. So I, I, I'm putting you in the club, man. I love what you're doing. It's really fascinating and hopefully we'll get a lot of people going over there to nmyopia. org. is that the... That's right. Yeah, okay. Um, I feel like I've... Uh, had all my pressing questions answered. Do you have anything uh, else on your mind that might be of use to the listeners or, um, you know, good suggestions to take some baby steps and get started and learn more? The, the, the two things. So one is that measuring the distance till mm-hmm. the app is ready. If you get a measuring tape and just, exp- it's really, I don't want to say addictive, but it makes it interesting. Once you realize how much that distance changes, and how much taking a break can improve your eyesight in a short period of time, then you get tempted, right? Like the hearing about this is fascinating and you listen to podcasts and you're like, oh, wow, that was a great episode. But picking up that measuring tape just for a day or two puts you in a different state of mind of actually trying it. And so I could print out a simple eye chart, right? Tape it on my wall and then notice where I'm standing when line four gets blurry and then go out on a four-hour hike, you know, do, do it after a long day at the computer, notice that point where line four gets blurry, and then come back after the four-hour hike and try it again and just simply notice where I am on the kitchen floor. That, that's a way to do this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Just, the, just the specific awareness of where you're at. It's like how I like blood tests. Like if you know where the number is, mm. you have a different attitude to your eating when the number, you know, my triglycerides just went up. Whoops, maybe I shouldn't be eating that sugar. Having that that frame of reference of data, not just an impression, makes a big difference in getting you into this. That's one piece. And the other piece is people don't care about the eyesight because they don't realize you are a different person if you can't see well without glasses. Like you, the, the, There's more social awkwardness. There's more anxiety, especially if you wear glasses. You lose your peripheral vision, right? So, so that system that's in your brain that warns you of predators is still there right? Just things are approaching. It's now not functioning. People are in a state of a permanent anxiety. I'm not saying because of glasses, but if you're wearing glasses, that's a troubleshooting point. Like you want good peripheral vision, right? You want to be able to look straight ahead when you're walking. Your, your social interactions are affected by the fact that your eye movement isn't natural. So now you're talking to a person, but you're behind glasses and your eyes aren't moving the way a person without glasses has eyes moving. People react to you differently. You instinctively recognize a reaction and you feel socially awkward. I'm just mentioning a couple examples out of hundreds of things that by limiting your vision, you're limiting your life. Like the word we're short-sighted, right? Like that's literally what we call human behavior. <laughs> that's great. Don't be so short-sighted about this. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's literal and metaphorical also mm-hmm. that you're, you're limiting your opportunity of, of living your best possible version of your life by accepting glasses when they're really relatively easy to get rid of. Yeah, it's... it's- it's, um, let me say this right, it's metaphorical because it's literal, right? I mean, short-sighted is short-sighted. Yeah. yeah uh, really oh, I should also ask you, uh, I guess this is kind of personal, but it might be relevant to some listeners. Uh, the, the doc told me, uh, my, my man, Dr. Brad, my childhood friend, he says, yeah, you got something called monovision going on. And that is where my left eye, if I close my eye, I can use my left eye for up close computer screen reading and it's absolutely awesome. And the right eye is super blurry. And I was really concerned. It seemed weird to me when I discovered this. And he said, oh, uh, people pay me large sums of money to do exactly what you have with cataract surgery, where you get one lens uh, to see distant. I don't know if a lot of people know this unless they're in the, um, in, in the senior citizen category, but it's kind of trippy how they do that. Well, they'll, they'll do a cataract and one eye will be good for seeing distance and one eye will be good for reading. And it seems as though I'm carrying that around now uh, at, a, at a younger age. So how does that figure into your mix, maybe. 
I know. That's if you, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Jake's face when I'm telling the question. But if you're listening, oh boy, he's he, he's been pained by my question. Let's find out why. Um, so this is a complicated topic, and I'm gonna say it's a, a fringe issue, right? Like it's not my main focus. My main focus is just here's how you fix your eyes. The monovision being induced is a huge problem because it really it messes up how your eye should be working, and that turns into kind of a long topic. If it's just occurring for you anyway, it's worth exploring what's going on with the left eye and the right eye. And that turns into a bit of a longer topic. You can reverse monovision just by, if one eye is super blurry, you may need some correction just for that eye. And then practice a little bit, getting both eyes to function at that distance. That's, but that's a little bit of a project, right? Like, and you got to weigh out if that's worth it getting into for you specifically. My pained expression was just because all the people that get presbyopia, for example, and then they're being induced with this monovision where the optometrist just goes, hey, we'll just set one of your eyes up for close-up and one for distance. And it's just a mess. If you're used to it, it's fine. But creating that on purpose, it's like, it reminds me of the African tribes where they get the really long necks by putting, you know what I'm talking about? Right, the rings. But putting right. rings on your neck. It's just, it's it's just so unnatural and so unnecessary. If it just happened for you, it's some compensation for one eye or the other being much stronger or weaker or some habit that you had fixable, whether you want to get into it is another question. But best not to, if, if your eye, eye care professional says, we'll create monovision, I would run and hide. <laughs> and it's so common though. I mean, that's yeah, what, what the majority of cataract people need to see better. Uh, I guess with lenses, you get those progressive lenses where you're reading in one part of the lens and looking out uh, the other part. And if you're if you're doing it with um, the cataracts, you got to choose something so you can see see in all cases. But yeah, it seems super weird. I was shocked to know that that was act- an actual thing. Yeah, but, but cataracts also is one of those things that if you're not necessarily need surgery right now, now is a good time to hold off because there's a lot of developments on. Mm drops that dissolve cataracts. None of them are FDA approved. There's a lot of experimenting going on, but it's a hot topic right now. In our forum, there's actually some guy making his own cataract eye drops to experiment with. I'm not endorsing this. I'm not saying it's going to work, but there's enough evidence that cataracts can be dissolved from the lens. And that extreme surgical intervention might be a thing of the past relatively soon. Wow. Maybe. Who knows? Okay. Hang in there, people. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty inspired right now. I'm going to say that I really feel the need for my computer glasses that I use for the time when I'm on the screen. But if I want to uh, make some progress here, uh, I'm going to maybe go back and forth and uh, take them off for five minutes an hour or 15 minutes an hour, whatever I can handle, and then also take down the um, take down the font size or something to make it a bit of a challenge? Or perhaps could I increase the font size and try not using glasses? Would that be a better choice? I would go with the bigger font size. Not the font size, but the the screen, uh, the Zoom size, not the font size. Sorry, sorry, readers. We don't want to print you big books yet. Okay. But uh, you don't want to overdo it. Like change takes time. Biology takes months to adapt, right? So the main thing is a little bit of challenge and consistency in it. Right? They're just a little bit doing it consistently. So if it's 15 minutes an hour, your eyes feel tired or you're feeling just, you want to go back to glasses is totally fine. It's just introducing a little bit of challenge. And then over time, it almost happens naturally for a lot of people where you just longer and longer, you don't need them. And you find yourself going, ah, today I'm fine without it. It's just not forcing anything. Like with eyes, yeah, it's sure. always important to not, not, they take a long time to adopt. Don't force stuff. Uh, right. Headache, dry eyes. Congratulations. You've overdone it just like you do in the gym. So don't be, don't be a hero here. But I, I really think there might be a lot of people in my category where if you just uh, zoomed your screen a bit more and had 150% view of the Microsoft Word file or whatever, maybe you could put the glasses aside uh, and, and you know go up to 200, but at least you're putting, putting the crutch aside and making your eye work a little bit. And then, you know, taking those, taking those breaks to relax and look at distant objects. And also look at how many diopters are in those glasses. Because sometimes it might be, for example, if there is 1.5, 
go try out a 1.25, uh-huh. uh-huh. right? Like maybe that's the, the, the tweak is just because a lot of what I talk about is gradually reducing the strength of your glasses by little bits at a time. So <laughs> this is depending this on where they are. Walk yeah. into your optometrist's office saying, yeah, I want some worse ones, please. They'll be like, what are you talking about? You listen to that Jake Steiner guy in the jungle of Burma, didn't you? That yes, sir, a lot. I did. Now, uh, one thing to note here, and, and because this comes up, is retail optometry is being replaced by online sales as we speak. There's an Uber thing happening. And as soon as Amazon gets into having an app that measures your eyesight, which we're doing one, so it's entirely feasible, retail optometry is going to be in a whole different place. Right? So number one. Number two is you're the customer and they're a shop selling you glasses. Number three, there's no law requiring them to sell you the strongest possible glasses. The DMV over there in California, 2040 is all that's required. So technically, you could go in there and say, I want 2040. There's no legal requirement of any kind that says they have to sell you glasses for 2010 vision. Optometrists hate to hear that because they're trained. They're worried, right? Like Because what happens is if you go in there and you say, I want 2030 because Jake said so, they'll be like, who's Jake? I was taught in school to give you the best glasses. And they don't want you to be dissatisfied and come back next week and go, well, these are not strong enough. So they're doing what they think is best. And in my opinion, to find a good optometrist just requires maybe just getting a half day aside and going into different shops and just going, hey, having a good story, right? Like strong glasses make my eyes hurt and my dog ate my last ones. And <laughs> 2030 is where I'm happy, mm. right? I'm not saying lie. I'm not saying manipulate. I'm just saying a reasonable story instead of an argument that doesn't get into a philosophical thing where you're just saying, hey, I know this works for me. I'm not asking for anything illegal or that shouldn't be done. I love 2030, just as an example. And I don't have my old ones. Can you make me new ones? Five will say no, and one will say yes. And that's the one that gets your money. Oh, you can go and buy those off the shelf too, unless you're me where I have a different diopter for each eye. But you can go down to uh, plus one if you're using plus 1.5 or something. Okay, so that's you have a different diopter for each eye. That's the first thing to fix because that's... So there's something called ocular dominance. One eye is stronger than the other. That's normal. What optometrists do is they don't correct both eyes equally. They're correcting both eyes to be the same strength. And that's not natural. One eye is supposed to see better than the other. That's, it's just built into the biology. So whenever there's one doctor different in one eye than the other, the first thing to sort out is start addressing the, the, the imbalance of doctors to a slowly just lower one side just by a quarter and then take three months, six months. And when that feels completely fine, lower it again till both eyes have the same dog. Wow. Okay. In most cases, if there's a medical condition, standard disclaimer, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. If your ophthalmologist who doesn't sell glasses says that this doesn't apply to you, then by all means. But in a lot of cases that imbalance, if you go back through your history of glasses, used to be very minimal and then maybe grew because they keep adjusting the weaker, quote-unquote, weaker eye higher that creates more balance. And fixing that is worth doing for a start. Whew, Jake Steiner, what a show. I so much appreciate you taking the time and all the great work you're doing at nmyopia.org. I want to send everybody there to learn more and listen to this show. Listen to this show every six months. They so remember to, to get that uh, strain awareness, beautiful stuff. I, thanks for letting me have a moment on your show to share and thanks for joining us from across the world thank you listeners thank you for listening to the show we would love your feedback at get over yourself podcast at gmail.com and we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts i know it's a hassle you have to go to desktop itunes click on the tab that says ratings and reviews and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars and it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves, because they need to. Thanks for doing it.